This week's episode of Powder Keg is brought to you by our good friends at Developer Town. By leveraging their years of experience working with startups, Developer Town is able to help companies better understand the viability of potential software solutions and quickly bring them to market. Developer Town has created proven sprint to market processes so large enterprises can move like a startup. You can find out more at developertown.com slash powder keg. Again, that's developertown.com slash powder keg. Developer Town, start something. The reason why we wrote the book, outside of, you know, it, it's, it's a powerful thing, is it becomes such a good lead gen source for us. Someone reads the book and all of a sudden they understand like, oh, this is how I tell my story. This is the funnel I would use if I want to get my message out. And this is like when someone reads it, it makes them become a user of our software. That's Russell Brunson, who started his first online company when he was wrestling in college. Within a year of graduation, he had sold over a million dollars of his own products and services from his basement. Most recently, he's co-founded a software company called ClickFunnels, which helps tens of thousands of entrepreneurs quickly get their messages out into the marketplace. That business is exploding. ClickFunnels has been around for less than three years and is on track to do $70 million in revenue in 2017. The crazy thing is, he's growing that business without any venture funding, and he's doing it from Boise, Idaho. In this conversation with Russell, you're going to learn about how to maximize your revenue using a proven and replicable process, but you're also going to learn how to harness the power of focus to compound your efforts and build momentum in your business. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and you're listening to episode 33 of Powder Keg Igniting Startups, a show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators who are building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. Over the last 10 years, Russell Brunson has built a following of over a million entrepreneurs. He's sold hundreds of thousands of copies of books, and he's helped popularize the concept of sales funnels. He's the author of the best-selling book, Dotcom Secrets, but just came out with a new book called Expert Secrets. I've got a copy right here, and I can tell you there's a ton of stuff in this book that is very relevant to any entrepreneur or leader. But we're going to tell you later how you can get yourself a free copy of this book, so you're going to want to make sure you stay tuned through the whole episode. Russell is a great storyteller and has some incredible stories, but he never misses an opportunity to share an insight or tactic that could be helpful to entrepreneurs. So let's set this thing off. Here's Russell Brunson of ClickFunnels. Mr. Russell Brunson, it's good to have you on the phone. Where are you dialing in from? Thanks for having me, man. I'm in Boise, Idaho right now. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what took you to Boise, Idaho? Is that where you're from? No, actually, um, I grew up in in, uh, in Sandy, Utah, and um, I wrestled through high school. And uh, my in college, I got a scholarship to wrestle at Brigham Young University, and then they cut the wrestling program. So I transferred to Boise State, and I was probably about 15 years ago, and been here ever since. What is it you like about uh, Boise? So the first time I ever came, I was actually when I was at BYU and we wrestled Boise State, and it was like snowing and cold and miserable. And I was like, that's a horrible place to be. <laughs> and then. Um, and then, yeah, BYU dropped the wrestling program, and I had a couple different places I could I had offers to, and I was like, ah. And so anyway, I, went up, I went up to Boise like, in the summertime, and I was like, oh, wow, this place is amazing in the summertime. <laughs> well, not so much, but summer is amazing. And so um, you moved up here and then met my wife here, and we just completely fell in love with it. It's cool because it's like it's a really small town, but it's big enough it has everything. But it's small enough that like I can get from one side of the valley to the other in you know 20, 30 minutes max on a bad you know on a bad day when the traffic's out. So it's just kind of nice and it's an amazing place to raise your family. I've got five kids, so it's a really good place to raise a family too. Oh, that's great. That's great. I've never been to Boise, but I really hope to get out there. I, I know there's some cool stuff going on in the tech ecosystem, yeah. um, and I'm eager to hear uh, a little bit of an update on how things are going with your company. 
But first, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you found your, your path on entrepreneurship. Obviously, there are many, many good stories out there on the internet where you, you can learn a little bit of your backstory and go in depth. But I was wondering if uh, you could just share a little bit about what attracted you to entrepreneurship in the first place. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have a father who's pretty entrepreneurial. My dad's always always looking at different ways to make money. But honestly, like when it all started, was I think I was 12 years old. I was I was watching the news with my dad or something. I think he forgot that I was still in the room, and then I was kind of like faking like I was asleep. And then the news ended, and I think Mash came on afterwards. And like I was waiting for him to tell me to go to bed, and he didn't. So I like watching Mash with my dad, and I thought it was so cool. And then Mash ended. My dad was doing taxes or I don't know, something on like his little computer. Or I guess it wasn't a computer back then, whatever he was doing. And then um, after MASH then came on this infomercial with this dude named Don LaPree. Um, some listeners probably remember him. And he was like talking about how he made money with tiny little classified ads. And I remember watching, you know, as a 12-year-old kid watching this guy. And he was like going crazy. He was all excited. And, and uh, I remember he told a story in this infomercial. He said, you know, I placed a, I placed a tiny little classified ad in a newspaper and I made $30 profit. And I told my friends and my family members, and they all kind of made fun of me because they said, good job, I made $30 profit. But he's like, but I understood leverage. So I took that, that ad and I put it in 1,000 newspapers and I made $30,000 profit. And like when he said that, like, like the light bulb in my head went off and I was like ruined for the rest of my life. I was like – and I was looking at my dad. I'm like, dad, did you get – like, do you hear what he said? My dad kind of wasn't really paying attention. And I was like, dad, we need to buy his kit because he was selling a, an info kit, which I still have on my shelf to this day. Anyway, but my dad's like, we're not going to buy that. I'm like, I need to buy it. So – I wrote the 1-800 number down and I went and I uh, started working for my dad mowing lawns and weeding gardens and whatever I could to earn the $40. And after about a month, I earned $40 from him and I called, I ordered the info kit, I got it in the mail and that kind of, that was what started me on my entrepreneurial journey. And I, I tell people like <laughs> after that I was ruined, like I could never have a real job. I, I remember the first job I ever got was for like a garden company, you know, they do trees and plants and stuff. And I remember um, somebody came and hired our company and they, they're paying us like five grand to go plant these trees. So then the owner of the company sent me to go out there and I planted these trees. I was making five fifty an hour, whatever minimum wage was then. And I came back and I was looking at the boss and he was sitting in his room or like his office watching TV and I was like, they paid him five grand. They paid me like 15 bucks and I did all the work. And I was like, this is not fair. <laughs> this is not how things should be. And I just, I've never been able to you know have a job since then. But um, that's kind of how the, the initial spark uh, started for me. Well, you, you mentioned your, your boss at that $5 an hour job, uh, and you also mentioned the guy on the infomercial. What was his name? Don LaPree. Don LaPree. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what was it about him that really magnetized you to his message and what he had to deliver? He kind of, ex I mean, I, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back now, it was direct response marketing. It was understanding, like, if you can create something where you spend, you know, a dollar and make $2, like... You know, he was spending whatever five dollars on a classified ad and making thirty dollars. It's like, okay, how that works? How do you how do you do it over and over and over again? And so, like, that kind of is what got me interested. I remember after the Don the Pre thing, then I started like, I remember my mom. My mom took me to the grocery store, and there was a, a magazine there. I'm sure you've seen it. It's called like Small Business Opportunity Magazine. It's like these two people, and I, I was like, all of them are talking how to make a million dollars or whatever. And I was like, Mom, I need to buy this magazine. So she bought it for me. <clears throat> and I went home that night and I started looking and. I think it was like 140 pages of ads in four articles, but I called every one of those 140 ads. Everyone's like, call this 1-800 number, get our info kit. So I was calling all these places, get these info kits, and soon I started getting them in the mail. And then I didn't know how the world worked back then, but obviously I do now. People would like rent those lists of people who had responded, and soon I was getting mail from more and more companies. And soon I was getting so much mail every single day that like the mailman could not physically put it into the mailbox. 
So he has to come knock on the door. So I come home from, from junior high and there'd be this huge stack of mail for me and I would open it and there'd be sales letters and people talking about all these different ways to make money. You know, a lot of them were like, okay, you create a really good product. Then you go rent a mailing list of a hundred thousand people. And if you mail it out, if you get, you know, 2% of these people to buy, like you make money. And I was just like, all these ideas were going through my head. And unfortunately back then as a 12, 13 year old kid, like I didn't have money to buy stamps or printing or posters or anything. Like the, I, like this, the concept of, of marketing like made sense to me and it was so exciting. And then fast forward, you know, a year or two later, I started wrestling. I kind of forgot about everything and I got deep into my wrestling career. And then fast forward about eight years the time I was, I was wrestling at Boise State. I met my wife and we were about to get married. And I realized that like I had nothing to contribute to our, to our relationship. I, I didn't have a job. I was wrestling. She was supporting us. And, and I'm, about that time, I saw this little infomercial on TV and it was like, learn how to make money on the internet, come down to the Holiday Inn and come to this money-making seminar. And I was like, yes, I'm in. And I remember going to the seminar and the guy that was on stage speaking, he was talking about something similar to like, I remember the direct mail days, I was learning about like, you rent a list of 100,000 people and you send out a, a, a letter to them and if you get two or three percent of people to buy, you make money. But this guy was talking about email and he was like, oh yeah, you can email 100,000 people and if one or two percent of people buy, you make money. And I was like, all wheels start spinning my head and that's like what started my journey about the time I was getting married to my wife trying to figure out this internet thing because I couldn't afford the postage and the printing and stuff like that but email was free and I was like oh my gosh like there's something there's something to this and so that kind of is where I started started and uh, started actually building a real business from that point. Yeah it sounds like one of your earliest aha moments uh, and I'm I'm sure that it gave you a ton of energy to go and and go down that entrepreneurial path. I'm guessing if you're like every other entrepreneur that's been on this podcast, you ran into some roadblocks uh, early on in the journey. Do you remember uh, one in particular that was that sort of stopped you in your tracks? This is kind of embarrassing, but here we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was after I, I learned about this email thing, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So if I had a list of a million people or 100,000 people, I was just doing the math, right? Like if, if 1% of the people bought and I had a $20 product, like, you know, you do all the math in your head. And so I was like, well, I don't know how to do this, but I got to find some way to email people. And so I was Googling stuff. It's like Google's infancy. And I was like, and I heard about spams. I didn't want to be a spammer. So I was Googling like how to get email lists. And I found some company, I think it was like spamfreeemailaddresses.com or something like that. And I bought this DVD that had 6 million email addresses on it. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, this is, this is the thing, right? And it said they're spam for email addresses. So I don't know what that meant, but I was like, sweet, it means I won't get in trouble for spamming. So I got this DVD with all these emails. It was like a big Excel file. And then I didn't know how to like, how to mail it out. So it took me two or three weeks to figure out you had to buy mailing software. So I bought the mailing software and then the ISP I had wouldn't let me send emails out. So I had to switch to some other ISP and anyway. So finally, like one night I got all the pieces figured out. I had 6 million, you know, person email lists. I had this software that would mail from my desktop. I put it all in there. I found like an affiliate offer. I wrote a little email and we were using dial-up modem at the time. So I like plugged in, you know, I unplugged my phone, plugged in my dial-up modem and I click send and I started seeing emails like email one went out, two, three. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So I told my wife, <laughs> I was telling her like the math, I was like, this isn't about 6 million people this week. I was like, if just 1% of people buy, we'll be millionaires. So let's say, you know, let's, let's don't get, let's don't get cocky. Let's say like 0.1% or 0.001%. You know, all the numbers in my head were so exciting and I told her, I was, cause she was supporting us. I was like, you can quit your job tomorrow if you want. Like I finally got this thing figured out. Like we're good to go. So I went to bed that night, like with visions and dreams of like, you know, freedom and being rich. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it was so funny cause I woke up in the morning and she was getting ready for work while I was out to go to school. And she's like, well, I need to use the phone. I'm like, you can't like, 
the the modem is you know that the computer is plugged in the phone line. If you guys remember, you know people remember how it was back then. So I had to like pause the mailing software. I had to, un- I had to crawl, crawl under my desk and unplug the modem and then plug back in her phone. And within like a second of me plugging in the phone, like I was still under the desk, the phone rang. So I came out and I answered it, and it was the internet service provider I had yelling and screaming at me. And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, you know, we've had 200 spam complaints, you know, last five hours from you. And like, and I was like, "No, you don't understand. Like, these are spam for email addresses. I bought them online." And I remember the guy said, so "That's the definition of spam." And so they shut down my shut down my internet server. You know, my internet. They threatened to sue me. All these things, and I don't know what to do. You know, my wife's about to leave you know, to, to go to work. And I was like, don't quit yet. Like, just wait, I got to figure some things out. And so she, you know, she, she went to work and then I went to school and I remember being so bummed that day. And in between classes, I went to the computer lab and I checked my email. And while I'd done the whole process wrong, um, I actually made a bunch of sales. I made like two or $300 in sales. And I was like, my gosh, like there's something to this. I did it wrong. There's something to this. And so that's when I started studying, like, how do you actually how do you do this email marketing legitimately? We're not <laughs> spamming people. And, and I started learning and I found, I, I ran into amazing mentors that taught me about how to like building a landing page and how you drive traffic to get people to actually give you their email address instead of you just taking it. And, and that became my focus for the next you know, decade of my life is building email lists and then creating products those people wanted and, and uh, you know, all the rest of those things that kind of go with it. Well, and of course, you've uh, you've been incredibly successful at that, and uh, did very well in uh, in email marketing and direct response, uh, and and frankly, a lot of your sales letters and uh, campaigns and copy have inspired a lot of my own writing style. You find those people along the way. You know, even though I was in software and tech, uh, you you find those people that have a good voice that understand direct response and understand copywriting, and you know, I, I would subscribe to. All, all those people who are amazing marketers, and, and you've been one of those uh, for sure. So I've really enjoyed your journey um, in you know, growing as a marketer, but then also uh, making the transition into software. Can you talk to me a little bit about why you decided to move from what I'm sure was a very profitable thing you had going there with marketing uh, and, and doing your own direct response for your own products and your own affiliates? Why did you decide to go into the ugly, complicated world of building a software business you know it's it's weird because like that was never like the plan it wasn't like a thing where we thought one day okay let's build a software company that's where we're going to go it was more like we were doing what we were doing and we started building software to make what we were doing better you know what i mean so so what was the business pre-software so pre-software so initially it started with um me creating information products you know anyone's heard my story before one of the first information products i created was a dvd teaching people how to make potato guns and it was funny because at first I was just, it was just like a page with an order button and we made some sales and I was just, back when Google was really easy and I was just buying Google ads and we were spending 10 bucks a day and making 30 bucks a day. And I was like, I'm rich. This is the coolest thing in the world. But then Google got harder and like it got more expensive and it stopped working. And I had a friend who, who had kind of figured something out. He started making, he started adding upsells. He was one of the first people to add upsells in their in the sales process. This is 12 years ago. And he was like, dude, I started adding upsells and now all my metrics work on Google again because even though Google's charging us more, now I can make three times as much for every customer. And so he showed me and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so simple and so easy. And so I went back to my Potato Gun DVD and I had other ones at the same time um, and I started adding upsells. So my Potato for Gun those, DVD- For those who don't know what an upsell is, could you maybe explain what that would look like in a process like this? Yeah, so the simplest one is my Potato Gun one. So somebody, initially people would buy my DVD for like, I think it was 27 bucks at the time. And, uh, and so they paid, I paid $10, $10 or $12 in Google ads and I make a sale and you know, you make a little money on it. And, uh, and so what happened was 
again, it started getting more expensive. It was costing me thirty or forty dollars in Google Ads to make a sale, and you know, when your product's less than that, you can't make much money. And so, um, when upsell was someone would buy the DVD, then the next page it would say, "Hey, thanks for buying our, my DVD from from me. We also make potato guns, and if you like, you can buy a potato gun kit where it's already pre-done. You just have to glue it together for I think it was one hundred ninety-seven dollars." Just click on this. And back then, there wasn't one-click upsells. They had to like re-put in their credit card. It was like, put in your credit card again, and we'll ship you out this kit for $200. And when we first did that, about 30% of the people that bought the DVD started buying this kit. And it just changed all the numbers in the business. So, you know, instead of making $27 for every DVD, one out of three spend another $200. So that's an extra, what, $60 per DVD we were making. So now we're making, you know, was that $80 per, $87 per DVD, whatever the math was. And I was spending 40. So all of a sudden, like the metrics work again. But obviously, potato gun, the potato gun market's small, right? And so like, I, and I realized that, but it was like, that was my little testing ground. I was like, man, this work in potato guns. And I didn't know at the time that was a funnel. Like that's, that's the definition of a funnel. Like you sell a product and you upsell or you have a process you take people through. And so, you know, we didn't know there were funnels back then, but, but that was the process. And I was like, okay, we can replicate this in other places. So we did it in the dating market, we did it in weight loss, we did it in speed reading, we did it in base sign language, we did it in just tons of market after market after market we were doing it in. Um, we did it in supplements, we did it in a whole bunch of things. And, and during that time, I had a lot of people asking what I was doing. So we started a coaching business, teaching other entrepreneurs. And that was really fun for a while. Uh, the bigger part of our business was, was doing these, these little businesses. And, uh, and I had some really good partners and, and people worked with me. But it took, it took us, and we were pretty good at it. Uh, me and my programmers and my website designers, my you know, I think we had seven or eight people on our team at the time. It would take us on average about two to three months to get one of these funnels done. And if you look at it, like they weren't that different. I, I was like, they all look pretty similar. There's you know, there's different, there's little intricacies each time, but for the most part, like they shouldn't take this long, especially like us who are talented. And so we do these coaching programs and teach people how to do it, and like they'd understand it, but nobody could actually do it because they're like, okay, now ready to like now go hire someone in Romania or India, and they can. Tell them what I just told you, and then they can make that thing for it. You know, it was like people were helping; they they got it conceptually. They couldn't do anything with it. I think it was just it was just hard to do. You know what I mean? Like like I think people understood it conceptually how to do it, but it was just like I don't I don't know how to do it. Like how do I? It wasn't something that was tech. Like I'm not technical. I couldn't just go and do it. You know, and, and I think that was that was a big problem. Another big problem that everybody has is they just they don't understand how funnels work very well. So like. And I had this problem too. I, I would like sell something and the upsell would be like just something random. There's no like rhyme or reason behind the process. And you now I understand like how important it is. Like when, you're, when someone's buying something in a funnel or you're going from page one to page two, it's all about like this. Just like if you met someone in real life, right? Like if I worked at a store and you walked in the store and I was going to sell you something, I wouldn't just randomly start selling you stuff. I'd ask you some questions. I'd figure out who you are. And I'd make sure that I catered the experience to exactly what you wanted. That's what a good funnel does is it takes somebody and and figures out what they want and then delivers delivers the exactly they want when they when they're needing it. So rather than saying, "Hey, you just bought a potato gun," you might also like this women's Speed dress. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, and people do that like it's crazy. People are like, "Why does my funnel work?" And I'm like, "Because the first thing you're selling, the next thing, like they're not related at all. Like, why does that? What does that do with anything?" But they're like, "Well, you said have an upsell." I'm like, "Yeah, but it has to be something that logically makes sense." So. That's a big problem. But the problem that we had is again, it was so hard. And I think uh, my partners that were that were building these things for me, they they got tired of it. Of just like, hey, we're building another funnel. And like one of them, uh, his name was Todd Dickerson. He was like, dude, we should build software that just all these funnels are similar. Let's build software that has all the different templates we ever used. And then you can just he's. I think he didn't want to keep making stuff for me. I think it was more his way to like, now you can do it on your own, Russell. You can leave me alone. And so that was kind of the initial some of the initial thoughts. And then um, we started building this thing for us. And it's funny because. Um, Todd Dickerson was my first uh, co-founder. Then the next person we brought is in Dylan Jones, who's my my other co-founder. 
And Dylan was in charge of all the user uh, user experience, and he also built the website editor and taught it on the back end stuff. And so they would go and they would build stuff, and then they would send it to me. And it was it was kind of like an internal joke, like if if Russell can figure this out, then then other people could actually we could actually sell this, and other people could use it. And so they sent it to him, like, hey, how does it work? And like, we're not going to tell you. If we have to explain it to you, then we did a we did a bad job. So they make me record a video of me like trying to figure out how to use the software. And if I get stuck, then I'd send the video back to them. They they try to fix it again and say, okay, try again. And we go back and forth and back and forth for a couple months. And eventually, there's a point where like I was able to do something. I was able to do it, and they're like, okay, this means that like other people would buy this as well. And luckily, Todd had enough foresight to to code it from the beginning, knowing that like this may be something we could sell in the future if it turns out good. So he coded it in a way that that we could have people create accounts and things like that. It wasn't just a one-off for me, but it was it was definitely initially built just for us to speed up our process. Was this your co-founder's first software as a service product that they had built? They had done little side projects, like side stuff on their own. Um, I Todd had built uh, a couple little software products that were I mean, nothing huge, but they were paying his bills, you know? Um, same thing with Dylan, they, they had done stuff. So nothing in a big scale, they both built small things, you know? Um, but again, they're amazing amazing developers and designers and things like that but they weren't like the best marketers in the world and so it was one of these things where it was just like as we were as we were building this it was like a perfect marriage where like they could focus on the product because they had sold their own stuff in the past as well like they knew what, what someone like i would want too because i tried to build software products in the past as well it was like me trying to explain to someone in romania or india like what i wanted and they didn't really understand why i wanted it they just knew that like, i'd you know russell wants this so they do that and it was like well Technically, that's right, but like you didn't think through this, right? Or Todd and Dylan's like they'd sold their own products and software in the past, so they're like, I wish I did this, I wish I did this, and like half the stuff, like or more than half, the majority of it, like they were driving like their wishes that they wish they had. And it comes back to me, and I'm like, Are you kidding me? You put that in there? I know that was even possible. And it's just been like a really, a really cool thing because because to have partners who understand the marketing um, makes the development of it for us so much, so much better. It sounds like uh, those failed experiences in software in the past didn't deter you from trying again. Did you have any kind of hesitance um, or hesitancy before you know, diving in again and, and trying the software thing? Or was it really more like the stars aligned and you knew that these were the guys to build it? I don't think I had hesitancy, but I, I, didn't think, I don't think I knew what it was gonna become. Like I think it was like, oh, this will be another product we'll sell and it's the kind of thing that is kind of there. And so they built it and um, it's interesting when we first launched it, um, it didn't do very well. Like, <laughs> funny because I, I always tell people it's like we had to rebuild the funnel five times before that the funnel for ClickFunnels actually worked to sell ClickFunnels. But when it worked, it was like, oh my gosh! Like I've never had an offer do this well ever. And we've had dozens of million dollar funnels, and we've had a couple, um, you know, eight figure funnels. But I've never had something like this. Zoom the hit. I was like. Like there's something here that I that's bigger than I thought it was gonna be. What do I do? Like I have all these other business. Like we had we still had 12 businesses I was running at the time when ClickFunnels launched. I think if I focus here, this is gonna be really really good. I don't know. I'm sure most entrepreneurs know this. Like as you create these little businesses, even the ones that aren't that good, like they're your babies and you love them. And it's like, but um, but Todd came to me. He's like, he was like, you know, this this can be big, but I think we need to focus like all of our efforts on it. And I was like, oh, but what about this and like all these these things? And but it, you know, it came down to like, look. This could be like another one of our products that's good, or this could become like something huge. And we decide like let's focus on. It. So we either sold off or we just shut down all the other businesses and said, okay, everything's gonna be focused on here. And the other things that I want to create, the only way I can create them is, is if they're going to help ClickFunnels grow. And so um, like that's it's funny because as an entrepreneur, a lot of times my biggest fear of like focusing on one thing was like like I have so much fun in the creation process. Like am I gonna like go crazy like only focusing on one thing for more than five minutes? And and, and you know it's like I've written two books now since ClickFunnels has come out, but it's like. I'm writing those books because they are tools to help 
people to understand the concepts they need to know so they can use ClickFunnels. And so it's like, I, I can now be creative, but, but everything we create and do all is, all pushes back into ClickFunnels. And because of that, that focus, I mean, we, we've been around less than three years now and you know, our growth has been has been insane. How did it feel after getting uh, rid of some of the side projects? Oh, it was like, it's so stressful at first. And then it was like so amazing afterwards because yeah, everything, it was just cool to have like clear focus on one mission, one goal, one thing. It's fun because then your creativity switches from like, what's my next business or my next offer to like, what's something I can create to get more people into this thing. And for me, I've enjoyed that process so much. It's been so much fun to like use your creativity that way. And then what's cool about it is then everything you're doing compounds. Like before, like we would launch a business, you know, and we do, we do all this stuff and we get big, you know, big surge in sales and we kind of die out and then make the next business big surge of sales and die out. Whereas this has been fun because everything we do to create it just compounds, it just adds more people in. Like we did our the book launch for Expert Secrets. Um, the first, I think, six weeks, we sold 66,000 copies of the book, which is cool. And we made you know really good money through that funnel. But on the flip side of that, like we added 8,000 new people in the click funnels, paying between 97 and $297 a month. We've done you know all this other stuff that like it just compounded click funnels. And like that's what's cool is everything we're doing now is just it's compounding and so it keeps growing bigger every single day and like that's that's what's really exciting just seeing seeing that that's so great man well and i i think i heard um you on the mike dillard podcast you know mike was a guest here on the powder keg podcast and i think i heard mike say that you're doing 30 40 million a year in revenue now is that right uh so 2016 we did 30 this year we'll probably be closer to uh, our goals hit 80 this year so we'll be between 70 and 80 this year so it's yeah, it's growing pretty quickly. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And it's cool that you're doing that uh, from Boise, Idaho, man. I, I mean, I, in the software world. Yeah, capital of the world, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 I love it. Everywhere is the tech capital of the world. There's a couple. There's, like, there's a handful of tech companies here in Boise. But it's kind of fun. Like ClickBank is here. Count is here. Bodybuilding.com is here. Micron. You know, there's a couple little companies like that that are that are around but yeah it's it's definitely not what you normally think of as a big <laughs> tech hub. Are, are there people there in the community that you you meet with face to face or are there any kind of events or groups for entrepreneurs there's some here locally but it's not and I, I know that there's an entrepreneur community here that connects but like i'm not super big part of it mostly because like we run our own mastermind groups and our own events so we have people from around the world fly here to boise and we meet with them here um, in our in our offices and and um, and then we do our big events. So like I network more within the community of like entrepreneurs as opposed to just Boise. Um, they keep trying to pull me more and more into it. I try to do more of those things, but I haven't I haven't been super active locally as much as I, I probably could or should. Sure. I, I mean it's hard when you're growing a, a business and and focusing on compounding. It's like every minute you spend on the business is more yeah. time that you could compound that growth. Um, so I I certainly understand um, the trade offs there. You know, the, the cause that you guys have with ClickFunnels just really resonates with me. And it's really clear. I'm, I'm looking at your book right now, Expert Secrets. I've, I've got a copy here in my hand. And I've got an extra copy for a lucky listener that comments on these uh, the show notes to this post. But um, the cause, I mean, really comes through in your writing and just the story that you're talking about. Can you tell me a little bit about why ClickFunnels has you so excited? I can't tell you how fun it is because like every morning I wake up and I was just like, this is like the, like so much fun. And like the Expert Secrets book, you know, is, is interesting because I, I talk about like what we did. It was funny when when um when I was launching when we were launching ClickFunnels, um, I was looking around and like there's a lot of software companies that are out there, 
but like software in and of itself is kind of boring, right? There's not people that are like insane. Like we had some dude tattoo our logo to his arm the other day. Like that's our people are nuts about what we do um, because like we build this community and this culture. And like, um, you know, for me, it's it's like my, my vision of like why I get so excited. You know, when I was, when I had my own, these other businesses, right? Like when we had our supplement help people with neuropathy pains, like it was cool because like people buy our product and you see like how it helps them. And as an entrepreneur that, that, that drives, you see that, you know, like, wow, this thing helped or, you know, all these different products, like you see success from your customers, which is really, really cool. But for me, like my favorite people on planet Earth are entrepreneurs. Like I obsessed with them. I think they're the coolest, like most fascinating people on Earth. And what we're doing now is cool. Is like we're empowering entrepreneurs to get their message out and, and get help more people and all those kind of things. And what's cool is like I, just one good example. Um, I talk about them a little bit in the book, but Brandon and Kaylin Poland. So they're they're a new a newlywed couple, like 23, 24 years old in the in the fitness space. Before they came into our world, they they literally had, had just ended like a, a a thing they were in. They're completely broke. They went and started using ClickFunnels and the stuff that we're teaching. And uh, last month, they did a million dollars in a month by themselves, which is cool. But what's cooler is, is in that month, they were they were getting 500 people a day, 500 women a day to join the weight loss program. It's so over a month. It's 500 times 30, like 15,000. Is that the right number? Anyway, whatever that number is, 15,000 women. And you look at that consistently like over the years. I mean, it's 100,000 plus women who they will have a chance to serve and help to lose weight and get in, in shape and like transform their 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 lives. And like I couldn't do what Kaylin does. Like I, I don't have the ability to help women to transform their life, but like we gave them some tools and some training. And now over a hundred thousand women this year will be changed because of her and her message. And that's just one entrepreneur. Right now we have forty-three thousand active people using ClickFunnels. And I look at every one of those entrepreneurs that are using it, and like their ability to change people and change the world is insane. Let's say all forty-three thousand people only had one customer they were able to help. That's forty-three thousand people we've helped. But if they have ten or fifty or a hundred. Like it's literally millions of people's lives are being changed around the world. And we have the, a, we have the ability to be a little piece in that process. And it's God, like the most humbling, cool, exciting thing in the world. And so like I wake up everyone just knowing like, man, we, we, if we can get more entrepreneurs to believe in themselves and believe what they have to do and get that message out. Like we're, we're literally changing the world more so than politics ever could more so than anything else. And um, so just the, the ability to empower entrepreneurs is it, it, it fires me up. <laughs> it clearly does. And I, I love the structure of the book. I, you know, as an aside, Russell, I, I love the structure of the book because, you know, a lot of business books you get and all it is is stories. Like it's one core concept and one key idea that's actionable. And then the rest is all stories. And you know what? That's great if it's a really important concept and you need to have all those stories to support it. But what you've done here is you've You've got the stories, and with every story, there is another actionable insight, and and you've got another script, or you've got another pattern, or you've got another uh, opportunity that you can implement. And there's a little bit of strategy, but there's also a ton of actionable uh, actionable insight that plugs into that strategy. One of my favorites, actually, um, I, I was listening to an interview with you last week, and it was such an insight for me that I, I had to get our whole content team together. Uh, as well as our events team, because the way that we've been telling stories is very much in line with what you call the Epiphany Bridge script or the Epiphany Bridge, and it was just not clear. It wasn't. It wasn't outlined. It, we we kind of had some generalizations, and we're leaving it up to our team to kind of figure out how to implement it. But what you did for us on page 115 of your book is you literally outlined the process that we have now implemented on the team on how entrepreneurs can better tell their story. Can you talk a little bit about how you came 
to this Epiphany Bridge script or the Epiphany Bridge um, itself? Oh, yeah. Oh, so cool. Um, first of all, thanks for telling me that. It gets me fired up. I love that. Yeah, so the biggest problem, especially in the tech world, so all you techie nerds listening to me, this is the problem you have with your, with your selling your services, right? Is you're so geeked out on the technology and the, the features and the bet, like all these kind of things. And so like when you go and you try to sell to people, you start spewing out, we call it techno babble, like blah, here's all this stuff. And you try to like logically sell people on what, what, why what you have is the best. And um, what's interesting is people don't buy things logically, right? And so I was in the book and where I was working on entrepreneurs, it's like you gotta step back and figure out like, what was it that gave you that epiphany that got you so excited about that thing that you're excited about, that you're geeking out about, right? Like what was the emotional experience you had? And you gotta go back to that point in time and remember what that was and then you tell that story and your goal is to give somebody else that same, that same epiphany, that same emotional experience that you had if they have that, then they'll go and they'll geek out and figure out all the technology and the, the techno babble and all those kind of things. But it comes down to like telling the, telling the story that gets people to believe, right? That's the core of everything. And so then the next question is like, well, how do you tell a story the right way? And I didn't know how to do it. Like I told a lot of stories. Sometimes they would work. Sometimes they wouldn't work. And uh, I actually uh, became friends with and hired a guy named Michael Haig who uh, is one of the top uh, screenwriting consultants in, in Hollywood. He works with Will Smith, a whole bunch of other people. And uh, he had this huge thing he he does called the Heroes Two Journeys. And he was like every successful Hollywood movie since the beginning of time till today all follows this this pattern called the Heroes Two Journeys. And I actually paid him. He came out to one of our events and spoke for two days teaching the Heroes Two Journeys and like showing all this stuff. And it was so fascinating. And I was like, okay, so how does that work for people like me? And he was like, I don't know. But if you figure it out, let me know. And I was like, dang it, there's got to be something here. And so for the next man, probably four or five years, I kept looking at the Heroes Two Journeys, and there's a whole chapter in the book that maps out that process. You can understand how it works from a, from a, like how Hollywood uses it, because we understand that it helps the Epiphany Bridge make more sense. And I kept looking at how do I do this in a way where I can, I can tell a story that's not going to take three hours like a movie. I might only have you know two minutes to tell a story, or maybe it's five, or maybe it's thirty, or you know whatever the context of my times allows me. If I'm on a Facebook Live, I may have five minutes, but if I'm on a Tell seminar, maybe I'll have 30, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And so um, I kept refining this and working on it, trying to figure out how to do it. And and from that, we built uh, what's, you know, you're talking about is the Epiphany Bridge script, which is a really simple thing. It's basically eight questions. And if you answer those eight questions, you've taken your audience on the hero's two journeys. And you've done it in a way that, that builds connection with the audience. It, it, uh, it gives them the emotional epiphanies and experiences they need to have. It, it puts them in a place where they can believe what it is they need to believe. So you need the actions you need them to do, which could be to buy, it could be to, to change, it could be whatever that, that thing might be. And uh, that's kind of the Epiphany Bridge script is and how, how it all works together. Well, and the, the cool thing that's kind of meta about the whole thing is even in you telling that story, you used the hero's journey uh, and, and talked about how you had a guide along the way, you know, your screenwriting friend that kind of exposed the secret to you um, and helped you break through the barrier and, and find the way and the path. Uh, that you were on. And it, it's it's such a powerful tool because it can be used again and again, and it is used again and again and again, even if you're not aware of it uh, as a founder. Um, so I, I highly recommend that specific page of the book, but there's so many, so many good uh, secrets in here, Russell. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to write this down because I know that every moment you've got, you, you've got to figure out how to invest it uh, in the best way possible. Why did you choose a book? That's a good question. So it's funny. So it's actually my second book. My first book was called Dotcom Secrets, which was um, really proud as well. And this one. So it was, is it the real story? All right, slip, flipping back into my Tiffany Bridge. So I was with my kids. I cannot do it now. It's so hard. Anyway, um, I was uh, 
my wife wanted to go out with one of her friends. So she went out and did whatever girls do. I don't even know. Get their toenails done or whatever, right? In fact, she's doing that today. So that's why that was top of my head. Who knows if that's me? But anyway, doing girl stuff. So my uh, her husband and I were like, we'll take the kids and we'll go like entertain them. So we went to Carl's Jr. because they have a big playground. And when they let our play, kids play in the playground for like three hours. So they're playing and eating ice cream and jumping around. And, and my friend and I are talking. He said, he said, you know the difference between you and like Tony Robbins or Brendan Bouchard? I'm like, no, what? He's like, I think your content's actually better than theirs, but nobody knows about you because you don't have a book. They have a book and you don't. And I was like, dang it, I don't have a book. And like, I remember because like I had wanted to write a book for almost a decade. Like I was always thinking about it and talking about it, but I never did because like there's at least for me, there's a lot of work that goes into a book. It's hard. But that night I was like, he's right, and I'm gonna write a book. And I started that night on the dot com secrets book and spent the next 18 months writing it. And then we launched it. It was funny because like it, it had finished right about the same time that ClickFunnels. Uh, ClickFunnels launched a couple months earlier, so it was kind of building traction. But at that point, like I'd spent the last year and a half on this book like simultaneously. And what was cool is the dot-com secrets book like, explains like why funnels and funnel structuring, like, like just kind of the concepts behind like why ClickFunnels is so important. And um, and then again, it gives you all the sales scripts for every different page in your funnel and all sorts of stuff. And so it came out just this really cool time. And when it came out, um, it became the shot of adrenaline for ClickFunnels. Like, uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, with some V, we've <laughs> we get uh, about a dozen VCs a month coming trying to give us money, and I, I, I've, we've said no to everybody. But like once or twice, I went to lunch with some because like, it's just interesting and you know makes you feel good about yourself. So I was in this conversation with this guy, and he was like, "So how you know trying to figure out all my numbers, and metrics? We could like size me up and tell me what he thought we were worth." And he's like, "What's the cost to acquire a customer?" I was like, well, right now we're spending we were spending about $120 on Facebook to get a to get a a customer. He's like, oh wow, that'd be really you know that's really good numbers, whatever. He's like, we could, you know, if we give you X amount of dollars, you can blow up your company to whatever point. And I was like, oh well, we actually stopped, we actually turned those ads off. And he's like, what? Why would you turn those ads off? And I was like, well, you know, let me explain. So I kind of explained to him like the world as I see it, which is funnels, right? And I was like, well, I can drive, I can spend $120 out of my own pocket to get a, to get a ClickFunnels customer, or I have this book funnel over here. And so if you look at the book funnel, we spend between $10 and $12 on Facebook ads um, to, to sell somebody the book. And we're selling, you know, three or 4,000 of them a week. And so, um, and so we t- spend 10 to 12 bucks. Let's say 10 for numbers, right? 10 bucks to sell a book. As like the funnel that we've structured works really good. We average $32 in sales in the funnel. So I spend $10, I get $32 and I get a customer. And then I email that customer, I introduce them to ClickFunnels. So I actually get paid, you know, net $22 for every single person before I told him about my software company. And he was like, what? And so I slammed three or four times and I showed him, I'm like, yeah, we have like seven front end funnels and they're all doing this and that's how we're growing so quickly and it's all profitable. Like we get paid on every single lead before they ever get introduced to our software. And after the fourth or fifth time explaining it to him and trying to show it to him, he said, if that's true, that'll change business as we know it today. I was like, exactly, dude, like that's the key. And so, you know, that book has become, has been huge for us and that the other front ends. And so. You know, the Expert Secrets book, it's another reason why we wrote the book outside of, you know, it's it's a powerful thing is it becomes such a good lead gen source for us. Someone reads the book and all of a sudden they understand like, oh, this is how I tell my story. This is the funnel I would use if I want to get my message out. And this is, you know, these are the stories and the scripts. And like, like when someone reads it, it makes it makes them become a user of our software. And I don't even talk about the software. Like maybe there's like two pages. I'm like, oh, by the way, you should do this in ClickFunnels. Like that's about it. But after they bought the book, then they're in our funnels and I can introduce them to ClickFunnels and the other things we have. And so that's why I spend the time and effort to create those those things because um, they become huge. And I said we had 66,000 people bought the book in the last six weeks. 
and that'll continue to, to, to grow. You know, my goal is to sell a million copies of the book. We have a million copies. We'll have, you know, hopefully 250, 300,000 members of ClickFunnels at that point. I really appreciate you sharing that with me, Russell. And uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't added this to your uh, Amazon cart yet already, I don't know <laughs> what you're waiting for. Uh, maybe you're waiting for the show notes to go live so you can comment on it and get your free copy uh, of it. But I, I would recommend buying an extra copy for your team or for a friend. Uh, because there is a there is a ton of information in here. I've already uh, added another uh, copy that I'm expecting this week because I want to make sure my business partner has a copy as well to mark up and, and dog ear and everything else. Russell, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got to run to another uh, interview and you got to get your message out there, man. But if people want to find you uh, and follow you online, where can they uh, find you? Cool. Um, you know, the easiest place to find it, if you go to russellbrunson.com, there's actually a blog where I'm documenting me trying to sell a million copies of the book. If you go there, you can see the blog. Each week I kind of journey. That's what we did, how many books we sold, and kind of going through there. The links to my podcast, all of our products, the ClickFunnels, everything's there. So you go to russellbrunson.com, you can find pretty much everything that's in my world pretty pretty quickly and uh, connect with me there. And, and uh, that's kind of what's happening. Thanks so much, Russell. And we'll have a lot of your resources linked up in the show notes uh, for all of our listeners. Thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. You bet. Hey, that's it for our interview with Russell Brunson, but it does not have to be the end of the conversation. You can reach out to Russell on Instagram or Twitter at Russell Brunson. That's Russell, B-R-U-N-S-O-N. And let him know if you have questions about sales funnels or click funnels. He's clearly a really smart marketer and he's very active on social. Now, I told you I'd share how you can get a free copy of his book, Expert Secrets. So here's the deal. All you have to do is find the show notes for this episode at powderkeg.com and drop a comment at the bottom with your biggest takeaway from the episode. I'll pick one lucky winner to send a free book, absolutely free. You don't pay shipping or anything. I'll send it directly to uh, your house or your office, wherever you want me to send it. If you're not the lucky winner, you can still get a free copy of Expert Secrets. All you have to do is go to expertsecrets.com and Russell will send you a copy absolutely free. All you have to do is pay the shipping. You'll also get to see Russell's sales funnel in action as well as ClickFunnels, which powers the whole checkout process. So I actually recommend you go check this out at expertsecrets.com because you'll learn a lot about the methodologies and tactics that we discussed in today's episode. And for more stories on entrepreneurs, leaders, and top talent outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. You'll want to subscribe because we have some great guests coming up, so don't miss it. We've also got a helpful companion website at powderkeg.com. You're going to find show notes there with all the links and contact information we mentioned in the episode, as well as some other useful articles and interviews from the Powderkeg community. So thanks for listening, and you'll be hearing from us real soon.